Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hi, welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Bulat, and today I'm joined by Bill Bell, who is Vice President of Advanced Design and Illustration Development with Pacific Life. And Bill and I are going to talk about how you talk about life insurance with your clients' attorneys, the best ways to get them involved in the process, help them think about life insurance and some planning techniques that really maybe they're not thinking about as much as they should be. So, Bill, thanks for joining the podcast today. Nice to have you back. Oh, no problem, Kristen. Always happy to talk to the partner's financial membership. Thank you. So let's jump right in if you want to. And let's talk about the team approach. How do you, how should our partner's financial members be working with and approaching the client's attorney? So this is one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of financial professionals make is not getting the attorney involved early on in the process. Uh, I can't tell you over my almost 20 years of, of doing this job, how many times I've had a producer call me and say, hey, uh, I've got a problem. I've, I've sold the client on this idea, but then they went to their attorney and their attorney is just poo-pooing the idea. Uh, and the reason why is that they didn't get the attorney involved early on in the process. And this goes for the CPA as well in some circumstances. It really just depends on who the client's most trusted advisor is. And sometimes that's the attorney. Sometimes that's the CPA. Sometimes it's another financial advisor that maybe doesn't sell life insurance. But you have to identify who that person is and get them involved uh, early on because they have the ability to throw up a roadblock at the last minute and either change the planning or decide that the product type that's being chosen is not appropriate for the client. Or in some cases, I've run into circumstances where uh, a, uh, a producer has worked with the client and sold them on an idea, and then they've gone to the attorney, and the attorney has said, oh, you shouldn't use this guy over here. I've got this guy that I work with that I trust a lot more, and they just completely lose the case, even though a sale is made with somebody else. So make sure that you get the attorney involved up front. Uh, you don't necessarily have to have product discussions with the attorney, but you definitely want to have them understand what the client is trying to do, identify the need because we are in a needs-based business, uh, and make sure the attorney is on board with the planning. Because again, that's the biggest mistake that a lot of uh, producers make is that uh, they just don't get the attorney or trusted advisor involved in regards to uh, what it is that they're trying to do with the life insurance. So that would be my biggest advice is just start early and often in regards to communication with that trusted advisor. That, that's great advice. It seems to me that there also are probably times when even though the life insurance isn't disrupting the plan that the attorney is doing, the attorney may feel like it is or that their idea is better. And in reality, the life insurance would be very complementary to what the attorney's doing. That's exactly right. I mean, you and I are both attorneys, Kristen, uh, and let's face it, a lot of attorneys, attorneys have big egos. Uh, it, it's, uh, I'm not saying that in an insulting way. I'm just saying as, as a matter of fact, and I, I've run into a lot of attorneys that just think that they can plan away a client's estate tax issue or any other financial need that life insurance is planning for 
And in some cases, it's just because they don't understand how life insurance works within that planning. So again, that communication is critically important to help them understand why life insurance makes sense in this particular case and how it's going to help the client meet their financial needs. And communication, it's not just getting the attorney involved early and often, but the way that you talk about the life insurance probably really makes a big difference when you're trying to explain the plan to the attorney. Uh, That's correct. Another mistake that I see quite frequently is uh, a, a, a sophisticated financial professional going in and talking to an attorney and making it a mathematical discussion. Uh, There's a reason why a lot of attorneys are attorneys and they're not engineers or uh, actuaries or doctors even. It's because uh, in most cases, attorneys are not math people. Uh, We do words, not numbers. Uh, I mean, I can do basic arithmetic really, really well, but when my kid brings his pre-calculus homework into my office and says, can you help me with this? I just look at him and say, no, I can't. I, I, I wouldn't have a, a clue as to where to start. And so when you're talking to attorneys, they're obviously not dumb people. They're obviously incredibly smart, but they might be looking at things that have, through a very different prism. And going in with a mathematical discussion in regards to IRR uh, or other uh, elements about the financial implications of a life insurance policy may not be the best approach. You have to go in basically showing how life insurance works within the planning. And uh, you can keep it very high level. Talk about the death benefits that life insurance is going to provide just from a dollars and cents perspective. Have them understand how premium payments are going to be made and how that the client is going to fund trusts if they haven't already done so and how they're going to make uh, gifts to that trust. And, and again, kind of that holistic planning idea uh, and getting the attorney involved there. But again, you go in and unless you know that it's, that attorney is, uh, is a math genius, uh, going in with that mathematical argument is not going to be the best approach in most cases. Yeah, I agree. I remember when I was in law school studying in the library, looking over and seeing somebody at the table next to me using a calculator. And I thought, well, that person's not in law school. <laughs> no. Just use them in the nice library. Yeah. So not only do we need to not go in and talk about IRRs and leverage and, and that sort of stuff, but I think that we really, as a profession, as life insurance professionals, need to help lawyers think about life insurance in different ways. So many times I talk to the client's attorney and it's either term because they're they're never, you know, they buy in the if I die theory or it's just for death benefit for estate planning. And, and you and I were talking about that we need to shift how attorneys think about life insurance. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that most attorneys uh, really know very little about life insurance and the different types of products that are available. I'm going to be 100% frank. When I started at Pacific Life, I knew one thing about life insurance, and that is that when somebody died, somebody else got money. Uh, I mean, you don't learn anything about life insurance in law school. And unless you're exposed to it on a day-to-day basis, you just don't know what's out there. And so people know term, uh, and some people know about whole life. Uh, They don't know how it works, but they've heard of it at least. Uh, And uh, then there are attorneys out there that have seen NLG products in the past, no lapse guarantee products, and they like them uh, because of the guarantee elements of it, but they don't necessarily know what that means for the client. They don't understand that in a lot of cases, 
the client might be paying 30, 40, 50% more for the premiums for that same death benefit than they would with other types of products. So educating them on different types of products, again, high level, not necessarily having that mathematical discussion in regards to the underworkings of the policy, but having that discussion about what's available out there and what might better suit the client's needs than just term or uh, an NLG in some cases or whole life in some cases uh, makes a lot of sense and, and should be part of the discussion, again, uh, early on as part of the planning process. I think we also need to talk to these attorneys about the living benefits of life insurance and the ways that they can fit into Plan Zuno. I think they're using a spousal lifetime access trust is something that attorneys do pretty often. So how should we talk to them about the ways in which life insurance can be a nice additive to SLATs? Yeah, I mean, there. I've had discussions with attorneys over the years where I talk about the living benefits of a life insurance policy, and they look at me like I've got a foot growing out of my neck. I mean, the, the reality is, is that, again, a lot of them just don't know anything about life insurance and what it can do. And when you tell them, oh, you can take cash out of a life insurance policy uh, income tax free, they say, well, how can you do that? Uh, we have never heard of that before. Or you talk about uh, cr- chronic illness or long-term care riders, uh, They've, they've maybe heard of those things, but they have no idea how they work in conjunction with a traditional life insurance policy. So you definitely want to be talking about those living benefits and, and kind of the flexibility that they provide to uh, clients uh, should their needs uh, change going forward. But again, that's part of the planning. So you mentioned spousal lifetime access trust. I mean, that is kind of that ultimate uh, flexible planning tool because the, the, the reality is when we're talking about wealth transfer planning specifically, we don't know what the laws are going to be 25, 30, 35 years from now. And if you're planning for a client that's in their 50s, that's really the time horizon that we're talking about in a lot of cases. And the it's important to know what the estate tax laws are now, because obviously it affects how much we have to be able to gift. But when we're talking about estate planning, that's not really the key number. It's the number what the estate tax exemption is when the person dies. And I, unless you've got a crystal ball and you can tell what the future is going to be, you need to have that, uh, that discussion in regards to flexibility. So flexibility in regards to the planning itself. Uh, so flats with the spousal provisions, uh, loan provisions, uh, should a spou- the uh, non-grantor spouse uh, pass away before the grantor, so you still have access to uh, trust assets. Uh, those are kind of the things that we talk to with a lot of attorneys these days in regards to creating that flexibility in their trust. And that goes for the products themselves, too. Uh, if you have a flexible trust, but you don't have a flexible life insurance product funding said trust, uh, you've kind of you've kind of gotten halfway there. You don't really have the ability to change going forward. So uh, having that discussion with the COIs in regards to flexible estate planning, but again, flexible life insurance policies, specifically the living benefit uh, elements of the life insurance policy, uh, is a a key key to success going forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that I've been talking to a lot of attorneys about in the past few months is funded trusts. The end of last year in 21, everybody was in a rush to make gifts because we thought we were going to have dramatic changes to the tax law. And we had enough time to create a trust and fund it, but that was it. So 
Are you finding that you're talking to lots of attorneys about those trusts and how life insurance fits in? Oh, for sure. Uh, and uh, the one thing that I will say is nobody that's an estate planning attorney thinks that they did the wrong thing in regards to setting up that trust last year and funding it. In fact, I would argue that it was the absolute right thing to do. And it's still the right thing to do because those people that had the ability to fund the trust last year, it turns out that they didn't have to do it last year, but they really had to do it before the end of 2025. And so doing it in 2021, that's great. You've got the planning out of your way. Now you've got a bunch of assets outside of your estate. And now it's up to the attorney and the fiduciary, the trustee, to figure out what to do with those assets. And you've got some people that have closely held businesses inside of those trusts so that they use their gifting exemption. You've got some people that are just sitting on a mound of cash and they really don't know what to do. Uh, so it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all approach to funded trusts. You have to look at the individual circumstances. And I've had some cases where you've had... Uh, uh, business interests moved into a trust like a real estate LLC or something along those lines that's generating sizable cash flow. Well, the discussion in those cases has been, well, instead of just adding that to the pile inside of the trust, let's use that cash flow to pay life insurance premiums, or in some cases, the interest for a premium financing loan, because these are people that are very well healed and are going to have the need for sizable life insurance and they understand leverage. And so premium financing might fit for those individuals. You got other people that just, they moved $20 million of cash last year or marketable securities or whatever it may be. And those are different discussions because then you're talking about, all right, how much of that makes sense to put inside of a life insurance policy. And that gets back to our, our good old needs analysis. How much life insurance does this person need? If they were worth $50 million as far as their net estate before, and now they're worth 30 because they moved 20 out, they still probably have a need for $15 million of life insurance out there. So you do the kind of the math and work backwards in that case, but you've got plenty of assets inside the trust to fund those life insurance policies. So it, it you know, it's a great time to be in the life insurance industry. I was just at a conference this week and a CEO of a major life insurance uh, company said that this is the golden age for life insurance planning. And I, I truly agree with that. I think that uh, we've got lots of opportunities and funded trusts are one of the primary ones out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time today, Bill. I really appreciate it. And um, thanks for helping us figure out how to talk to our clients' attorneys so that we can all take advantage of the golden age of life insurance. Absolutely. And just a reminder to the membership that uh, my team is here to help you with uh, your advanced cases. Obviously, you've got great resources at Partners Financial, uh, but uh, I would like to uh, remind everybody that we've got a great team here at Pacific Life uh, available to help with those advanced cases as well. And I would also re re I would be remiss if I didn't plug my own podcast uh, because uh, we do have one. We've been doing it for almost six years now. Uh, it's uh, you can uh, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's called The Life Podcast from Pacific Life, or you can just visit our uh, website because that's where we warehouse our all our old episodes, and you can just find that at thelifepodcast.com. Really easy to find. In fact, we've got an episode that we just released with our outgoing CF, uh, CEO Jim Morris and our incoming CEO uh, Daryl Button, so you can learn a little. Well, a lot about the, the past and current uh, leadership of Pacific Life by checking that out. So uh, 
thelifepodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That sounds great. That sounds like an interesting podcast. We'll have to all go and listen. Thank you. Thank you.